Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Terminary. This is Eli's on deck. I am Eagle Falcon. Yep. This episode's a little late, but it's okay. I appreciate you having patience with me. This is, of course, the bonus episode to the CES episode. There's been a lot going on, but you know, better late than never, as they always say. So we're going to go in detail with a lot of the various products that at least I know about that came out of CES 2022. During the podcast, we went over the ones that got The Verge's attention. And uh, yeah, this is... Uh, but there, there's some interesting stuff. Let, let's just get that right. There are actually some very interesting products. Like um, this little number, Samsung Home Hub. It's basically a run-of-the-mill tablet, but its sole purpose is basically to be a Well, a portable li little central computer for the entire home. Now, I do wonder its capabilities versus an actual smart home hub, because I've seen a lot of dream homes that are, quote, smart homes, and it it it's ridiculous. They got, like, I've seen some that have four... 42U racks in it with nothing but rack mount equipment. Granted, they spaced it out every other U for optimal cooling. I'll, I'll, I'll save the rant for why that's the dumbest thing I ever heard for another day. Anyone else who knows enterprise equipment can vent with me as to why that is the dumbest thing I ever heard too, but I digress. But considering the fact that a lot of smart home stuff in the past has used that much compute, I do wonder how much of that, how much this one tablet that most likely just has like some 4x4 ARM processor, it's probably like some top of the line Qualcomm chip, but you know. It's an interesting concept. It really is. And I actually do kind of wonder what its compatibilities are going to be, how effective it's going to work. Because if there's one thing as someone who is in the Samsung ecosystem quite a bit, responsiveness Samsung lacks severely. Like, no joke. The lack of responsiveness on a lot of my Samsung equipment does make me want to go back to Apple. Like, no joke. I am dead serious. The fact that it takes, like, minutes for a text message on my phone to show up on my watch is just unacceptable. And I got a feeling that if you hit a light switch on your central phone hub or your central home hub I mean and it turns on two minutes later you're not going to be too thrilled either 
so we'll just wait and see. And of course, I want to remind you, this is in fact CES. CES is a platform I want to stress for everyone who is new to viewing stuff from CES. This is all about what can be. A lot of what shows up at CES are what are referred to as concept devices. Even though they do not market themselves as concept devices, which yes, is really, really annoying. Like no, you have no idea how annoying it is when you get those wonderful concept devices, but it's marketed as a real device that you never ever see. <sighs> big, big sigh. So I'm kind of hope this will come out soon. Considering the fact it's just a tablet with software that has to work well enough for a demo. It's kind of hard to believe they would just say, nah, fam, we're not doing that. But time will tell. Samsung also announced at CES that all of their TVs for 2022 will in fact support both a dead platform known as Google Stadia and an active platform known as NVIDIA GeForce Now. I for one love this move. I really, really do. I think it is very forward thinking of Samsung to support both platforms that people use and platforms people meme about. I think that is a very important detail that you should both pander to customers that do exist and customers that don't exist. I think that is very important. Okay, all joking aside, I, I actually do think this is, this is good. We do get, you know, GeForce Now. On the off chance, Google Stadia reforms its model and becomes usable to a market that actually exists. You know, all the power to it. All the power to it. I can't wait to see how well it goes. Personally, I want to see this kind of technology either sink or swim. But come on. Right now, cloud gaming is at a point of, nah, just give it time, just give it time, just give it time. You've had years, buddy. Can you swim or not? And before I hear from that one buddy that goes, oh no, don't worry, it could, it could swim, it could swim. It could totally swim. I tried the beta and while I was in my van outside of the Google data center and tapped into its built-in Wi-Fi, it was as though I was there. I don't want to hear from that guy. <laughs> I don't want to hear from the guy who is in the same city as the data center. It is marketed as an option for everyone, regardless of your location. I want to hear from the guy in Alaska. I want to hear from the guy 
who is sitting in his sunken Swift truck in the middle of nowhere using just a cell phone signal. I want to hear how well Google Stadia works in that environment. But you know, hey, it's now built into the TV. But at the same time, Samsung, God dang it, I keep knocking over this box. But at the same time, Samsung just continues to just include more and more random features that no one wants. Like for example, the Samsung built-in smart TV guide has ads. And I still want to know why. Who is collecting the revenue from these advertisements? No one can answer that question. I, I want to restate that. I have no problem with ads. Ads help subsidize a lot of content that we enjoy for free. I have a problem with ads on platforms like Hulu, where I pay a monthly subscription and I still get ads that you collect revenue from for me watching the ads. You are double dipping both on my subscription and on the ad revenue for what I'm watching. I have no problem with ads on YouTube because I'm watching the content for free. In the case of the Samsung TV, I am paying multiple subscriptions that plug into your interface. I paid for the TV that has the software built into it so there's not an external server that is powering the TV. So what are the ads supporting? This has actually driven me nuts for the longest time. Ever since I found out that this actually happens on Samsung TVs, it really does make me loathe the company more. I want to stress this more and more. I want Samsung to get the hint. Because going down this path more... Like I said, it's going to make Apple look like a good alternative. You're making Apple look good. What is wrong with you? If you want to be a good alternative to Apple, then stop being worse than Apple. But at least Samsung did release a plethora of monitors. A smart monitor M8, the UHD monitor S8, and the Odyssey Neo G8. The Odyssey EO being a curve monitor, the smart monitor M8 being a nice color accurate monitor with built-in functionality into it, as well as a built-in camera and all that wonderful jazz, and the UHD monitor S8, which is a 
<clears throat> a monitor with a 20, I'm sorry, a 98% DCI P3 color gambit, which is going to be great for content creation. For getting those super, super accurate colors. So, you know, good, good. We're going to see some updated monitors. Can't wait to see them actually get reviewed with um, independent reviewers. And I want to stress one thing. That's always important. When it comes to any of this kind of content, when it comes to anything like when it comes to anything, it's just like, oh, hey, this is coming out. This is how good it is. You want to always see what a reviewer says. Because you never know. It's just like all this corporate executive speech. And it just, if it falls short, you want to know that. You really, really do. That being said, however, I want to present the most CES thing that Samsung showed off at CES. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2022 Eco Remote. Yes, the Eco Remote. which apparently keeps setting off my Amazon Echo. So what makes this remote control eco-friendly? Is there, is, is it no gas engine? Have we emitted, eliminated fossil fuels from our... <laughs> from from our uh... I'm sorry I can't say with a straight face <laughs> no diesel burning remote controls here actually all cutting aside the way it's eco is special for you see it is a solar charging remote control, which actually isn't new. They apparently had a solar charging remote control in the past. And it would just gain energy in a similar way that your calculator would run on solar. But this new version can convert your router's radio raves into energy to stay fully charged. How much actual power is it drawing from that? I am, I, I gotta know. I, I'm not even mad. I legit, am, I really wanna know now. How much energy can be drawn off your Wi-Fi router's radio waves? If I set up a giant mesh network, can I just power a whole bunch of 
remote controlled um Um, what, what's the right word? When, can I just power a whole, whole, whole bunch of LED lights just off the router signals? Probably not, right? It's got to be like such a small amount of power that it's drawing off the router. I was completely unaware that this, that Samsung had this, had this remote at all. I was unaware they made a first generation eco remote. I actually don't even know how many generations of this there is. We just know this is the 2022 eco remote. Oh, never mind. This is second generation. Apparently last year at the CES that never was, Samsung debuted the solar powered remote. Well, we'll just have to see. Although now I can also see some, uh, some families getting angry at each other because they went ahead and made sure not to put, they put the remote control face up instead of face down. Cause the thing is with, with this remote control, it kind of looks like a much more elaborate old school Apple remote. Like it's got the big circular section. It's thin, it's long, but has a bunch more extra buttons on it. Cause it's, you know, a real remote as opposed to a fake remote like Apple makes. But then on the back of the remote, it is just like almost all solar panel. So you have to have this remote control face down in order to in order to charge so it's face up like you'd normally have your remote control you have a problem it's not going to charge that's the only problem I see with it and I don't know if it like if this thing was like a little longer but still had a smaller solar panel at the very bottom so it could collect power no matter which way it was facing. It could get like a little bit on the one side, but then it would get like the proper full charge on the other. That way it's not completely dead if someone did it wrong. But then again, I mean, it can get power off the radio waves. So there's... seven microwatts or something that that part still blows me away power off the routers but of course back to normal ces things samsung showed off a ton of foldable everything J just foldable everything we have tri-folding tablets called the Flex S and the Flex G. The Flex S being a unfolding to a full, uh, what would we call it? I'm trying to quickly skim 
the article here for the size. They're not telling us. They're just telling us it opens up to a 16 by 10 aspect ratio. Which. Come on. It looks to be about a 12 inch tablet. But I am legit not sure because the article will not tell me. Another device is the. The Flex S. Which is an outer fold folding phone I think that's the wrong decision I'm sorry it just is those screens are crazy fragile your fingernail can still cause permanent scratches into the screen. Now imagine what pocket sand is going to do. I don't think it's a good idea. And then another phone they had, they called the Flex S. Wait. I'm now confused which is which. There is also a smaller version of the Flex S that folds three times internally. That I could get behind. The only downside is I don't see this tri-folding phone having an external display. Which, um, yeah, I'm sorry, but I think the way they did the fold right now with at least one screen on the outside, that's the size of a normal phone, maybe a little smaller is the correct method. And then using the bigger phone on the inside when you need a, a bigger screen, I think that is the correct way to go. But we also have the Flex Note, which is a flexible screen laptop. There's a plan. And we have a smart speaker with a flexible screen. It has a 12 inch flexible screen around the speaker so that you can show things. Honestly, I am more okay with a flexible screen being something that's not portable. Because I'm not going to scratch my desktop tower. I'm not going to scratch my monitors, even though there's a chunk of dead pixels where my, where my, um, microphone accidentally fell off and hit the screen and there's a permanent purple mark. Uh, wait, is it this monitor or that monitor? No, it's this one. I see it there. So there's stationary devices having these sort of flexible screens. I'm totally fine with on a smart speaker like this. Totally fine with, especially if the speaker is something I don't need to touch. 
like it's just once in a while for like volume up volume down that sort of thing but if everything else is supposed to be like your smart assistant activated i think that is a much 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 smarter way to go that part i am actually more okay with than maybe i should be and meanwhile lenovo is creating a 17 inch laptop with an eight inch screen next to the keyboard. I love this device. As someone who has gotten used to a triple screen battle station in his studio, I love multiple screens. I especially love multiple screens for something like a streaming studio. Especially if one screen is dedicated just to like display purposes. Like if I got like, like my left screen is almost intentionally blank. But if there's ever something I want to view, like a clip or something on the on the stream, I know if I hit this one button, whatever's on that screen will show up there. And then every other screen I know is safe. This is why I like multiple screens. I don't know how streamers with one screen make do. Ooh, you're a rich guy with four screens. You want to know how much I paid for these screens? $40 each. Three 24-inch screens, and I'm willing to bet I paid less than what most people paid for one. Yeah, they're only 1080p. Yeah, they're 60 for, for they're 60 hertz. But guess what? They got the job done, and realistically, let's be honest, you only need one high refresh rate screen. You need your main screen being high refresh. Anyway, back to this laptop. You wanna know why I really, really like this laptop? I actually wanna know what the specs are in this laptop. Cause this laptop actually had like, great performance. Like I don't need top tier gaming performance. I mean, just throw in like a Hexacore AMD CPU and an NVIDIA RTX 3050 just like mid-range sort of performance, this would be easily hands down the perfect laptop for an on-the-go streamer. No joke. Because all you'd need is a USB capture card and a decent external camera with a, with a tripod. And then of course, whatever game console you're capturing off of. And you've got a top tier streaming setup wherever you go. Like you don't need your DSLR and all that sort of jazz that you'd have in like your, your professional studio. You get away with just like a stream cam on like 
a $30 tripod, this laptop, because you can have your OBS and you can have your, actually, you know what you could do? You could have your mirroring on the main screen if you have like, say a switch or whatever you're capturing off of, you use your main laptop screen as the mirror. And then your side screen is your chat. Now, one thing I'm not sure of is if the side screen is capacitive. To, uh, yep, it does. Features an integrated digitizer layer to enable stylus support. So it is targeted specifically at creators as a Wacom tablet. Dude. Dude, I like this. I love this laptop. They're calling it the ThinkBook Plus. Unfortunately, it doesn't look very much like a ThinkPad at all. So if you're a big fan of the uh, ThinkPad look, you're not going to get it here. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I got way, way more Zia stuff to cover. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. CES continues. We have a lot more to cover. LG has brought some very, very interesting OLED TVs. That's one of the things that's always a staple at CES. Samsung, LG, they all bring their TVs. LGs especially look amazing. And one thing I'm noticing more and more, the bezels are getting smaller and smaller. Like some of these have almost no bezel. It is absolutely insane, as well as also the picture quality is just becoming nuts. Now, one thing that still has me concerned when it comes to OLED is burning. You're paying a premium for the more accurate picture quality, but you know the TV is going to have an even more finite lifespan than a normal TV just because eventually the picture will burn in. Now, in my case, fortunately, I almost all only use my TV for like an hour a day when I just like put on something mindless on a sleep timer and then fall asleep. So, you know, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. No big deal. But if you're someone who goes ahead and say, watches the morning news every single day, come a year later, maybe, maybe two, maybe three, depending on how much you just watch that same channel. You might find that, uh, what is it called? Carbide? No. Whatever the scroll bar is at the bottom of like news stations, where they just have like headlines go across that you never read. 
or more importantly the news station logo that's always in the lower right hand corner you could start seeing those begin to burn in and normally i would say you know whatever a tv's gonna die eventually what was it matter if it dies you know one year sooner let's say you get you know six years of life out of it rather than seven like you would an lcd you know what's the big deal i'm not a fan and maybe this is just my uh my my money saving uh, mindset i'm not a fan of spending more to get less tv I mean, you get more TV while it's there, but longevity-wise, you're getting less. I think the burn-in factor of OLEDs really does need to be addressed more and more and more. Like my current TV, I've had for... God, how long have I had that TV? I think five years and it's still pretty much exactly there's no sign of wear on it at all other than you know a layer of dust on the inside of the components that's it oh this thing still functions perfectly That also being said, Sony has also announced their first QD Quantum Dot OLED TV of CES. These are OLED TVs that are supposed to have even more color accuracy and color saturation than normal TVs. These QD OLEDs, these Quantum Dot OLEDs, that is going to be the new hotness in TVs expect to hear it become the new buzzword remember quantum dot that's what you're gonna hear over and 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 over again it's gonna be the new 3d it's gonna be the new HD it's gonna be the new 4k Because what else do they have to sell you a new TV? <laughs> what? More 4K content? Oh, yes. My new 4K content. It'll go great with... um Or 4K TV. It'll go great with my... Non-existent 4K content. Y yeah. We're getting there. But again... Uh, you already played the 4K card earlier, and uh, now it's gone. Let's take a very quick break from CES, though. And let's talk about how Apple has become the first $3 trillion company. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you heard me. $3 trillion. That is a three followed by a metric ton of zeros. Not three billion, not three million, three 
trillion. That's a three followed by, I actually should go look up how many zeros that is. Let's see here, a thousand is three. My numpad doesn't work. That's a thousand, that's a million, that's a billion. That's 12 zeros, that's a three followed by 12 zeros. That is Looney Tunes. That is absolutely insane. Just, just nuts. Now, with that all said, all right, when we say $3 trillion, Let's be perfectly clear. That is the market value of the company. That is locked in stocks. Apple does not have $3 trillion in the bank. let's let's get that for starters all right before we start saying hey apple you want to go ahead and uh fund a lottery lol it does not mean they have three trillion dollars sitting in a bank it does mean that they have that amount of money locked up in stock and other assets But to put in perspective how much this growth is, Apple hit 1 trillion in August of 2018. They then passed 2 trillion in August 2020. It is now January 2022. In a little over a year, and actually, what would that be? 15 months? In 15-ish months, their value went up another trillion. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Also, I want this to be remembered. The next time an Apple fanboy tries to tell me that Apple can't afford to sell parts for their computers directly to the consumer, that Apple cannot afford to make their products more repairable and thus more recyclable. Because the next Apple fanboy that tries to tell me this and then tries to tell me that with a straight face after I tell them you're trying to defend a $3 billion or a $3 trillion company. You're trying to defend a company that is worth way way more than you and me put together. And you're trying to say they can't afford it.
the next time Apple wants to go ahead and make the next MacBook Pro even less repairable and more likely end up in a landfill so you end up buying another one, but then preach about being environmentally conscious, just remember, they are a $3 billion company or a $3 trillion company. $3,000 billion company. But they can't afford to actually make a real sustainable laptop or a real sustainable phone or a real sustainable device. They need something that easily breaks so you buy a new one. Just remember that. All right. They have a lot of assets in R&D. They're making a lot of things possible. And the fact that they go ahead and still make stuff that is basically unrepairable even by their own team and then try to tell us that they can't afford it. Bull. That's all I got to say to that. In other Apple news, an Apple enge engineering director was that was responsible for the M1 trans the M1 uh, processor transition has left for Intel. There's a lot of ways you can take this story. The engineering director who, who spearheaded the transition into Apple Silicon to ditch Intel processors that Apple was comically underutilizing, by the way. I want to stress that. Apple, Apple got a little complacent. Intel got a little complacent in the way they functioned. Let's get that right. But Apple did not, under any circumstances, even try to cool those chips correctly. I mean, let's get that right for starters. They just let those machines cook themselves. And everyone wants to blame Apple or it, it wants to blame Intel for the fact that the Intel MacBook sucked. I'm sorry, but I'm going to defend Intel on that one. And I'm still going to defend Intel on that one, even though that ship has sailed. But the fact that the engineering director that said we should go ahead, split off from Intel and make our own chips. Is leaving Apple in the middle of the product transition and going to Intel? Is the Apple transition that much set in stone that he's no longer needed?
Is it about to go really badly and he doesn't want his fingerprints over it? Did Intel just spearhead the guy out and wants to help with Intel's continuing moves down big little architecture? I don't know. Keep in mind though, a lot of what that guy knows in regarding to uh, Apple's insider knowledge, he's not gonna be able to tell Intel at all. That stuff is gonna be under strict non-disclosure agreements. They are strictly gonna get this engineering director for the purpose of being an engineering director. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It is a really, really strange move by Intel. And it's a really, really strange move by Apple to not try to make a counter offer for him to stay. All right, what's that? You're sick of Apple news? Let's get back to CES. All right, let's get back to CES, but still stick on Apple. Because EVE Motion Blinds is announcing their new remote control blinds that are integrated into Apple HomeKit. Wow. Honestly, it's just that. It's just kind of surprising to see someone at CES specifically admit we are all in on Apple HomeKit. It just, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, seeing this kind of uh, kind of smart home stuff at CES is not uncommon. We have been seeing the Jetsons home of the future at CES for like the past five years now. No joke. So to see the trend continue, not all that surprising at all. And in fact... Schlage, which I most price, most likely mispronounced, has announced the Schlage, spelled S-C-H-L-A-G-E. Uh, email me at I don't care at gmail.com for how I'm actually supposed to pronounce that. And then apologize for emailing whoever the heck that actually is, because that's absolutely not my email. Has announced a Wi-Fi deadbolt lock that... Also is Apple Home Key compatible. So you just bring up your Apple smartphone to the lock and it'll just automatically unlock it. This kind of integration, again, is what's really making Apple look more and more compelling as a platform to move to. And I'm trying not to let myself be seduced back into the dark side, but Maybe I just hate the state of smartphones as a whole, that we're constantly sold this bill of goods and neither side is anywhere near as good as they wanna say they are.
Maybe that's my problem. But here we go. Deadbolt lock available to you. All right, let's talk about bathrooms. Because of course there's bathroom stuff. Kohler has a whole lot of brand new tech for CES 2022 as they do every year, specifically to show off motion activated faucets that work significantly better than the crappy ones you find at a public restroom to have voice activated sinks, bathtubs, and such. Bathtubs in which have such intelligent enough voice activation that you could tell it to specifically fill up the bathtub about midway with, I uh, will say, I actually don't know what good bathwater temperature is to be perfectly honest. I usually take showers and just go by feel. You could tell it a specific temperature degree and it would, it would sense the water for the temperature and then just wait until it got that far. They've also showed off a ceiling mounted faucet wand. Also voice activated and can also be activated through like a touch knob. There's a lot of weird stuff that uh, Kohler is showing off. We'll just put it that way. It's a lot of stuff I did not expect to see ever, but uh, Kohler's got it for you. In, in case you need it. Dell, on the other hand, has taken a different approach. They have done a complete redesign of their new XPS 13 laptop. This is something that actually is going to show up. And it has a totally not a touch bar. Why would you call it a touch bar? Stop calling it a touch bar, you pleb. It is a capacitive bar that is only kind of sort of modular where your F keys would be. So it's... It's a touch bar that's worse. Is basically what it boils down to. It is like the MacBook Pro's touch bar because it's capa it's capacitive touch across the board, but instead of it being an LCD touch screen, it instead just capacitive with symbols that are backlit through it. And it can change from media keys to the function row keys. So it's the worst of both worlds. The inflexibility of the F row that Apple ditched, by the way, and none of the flexibility of the touch bar that was there, which Apple ditched. So you have the F-Row without the tactile feedback, but you don't even get the flexibility of losing the tactile. Dell, what are you doing? You know what's even worse about this laptop? The IO. It's two USB-C ports. 
That's it. I want to take Dell. I want to take the management they had seven years ago. Force all those guys to go back into Dell. And if it's the current people, they need to be slapped back in time because they were doing things right not too long ago. Now they're just being dumb. I used to call Dell the gold standard of mediocrity that at, at least they were, you know, passable. They're like the, the solid above average company. This is garbage. This is absolutely abysmal. Why? Why have you done this? It is an awful product. Oh, but look how thin and light it is. Screw you. Screw off. The company that makes the Dell Precision, the company that made countless laptops you could actually repair. Like, that's the thing. I talked about how Dell is, is planning on making this sustainable laptop 10 years from now. They made sustainable laptops freaking 10 years ago. And yet they haven't learned their lesson. Because here we are. We're going to copy the mistakes that Apple made. And it's not like it's a secret that, that the MacBook Pro that Apple made was a failure. Nobody liked that laptop. Nobody liked the touch bar. Nobody liked the shallow keys. Everyone especially had the keyboard. At least you didn't copy the stupid failure switches. Or maybe you did. I don't know. But everyone hated they underlined hated the IO. So why? You know Apple went and re-added the IO. It's been rumored for years. We knew it was coming. I knew it was coming for over a year, Dell. So why? Why did you go backwards? My disappointment in Dell is immeasurable and my day is ruined. That is all I can say to this. But nowhere near as disappointed as I am with the Alienware Concept Nix. A very boring gray rectangular box that its sole purpose in life is to be a gaming server for the home. Why? Why is this a real thing? I find the concept interesting. I would love to see this gaming server in, say, a rack. If this was in a rack mount format, I'd be interested. It'd be very interesting as, say, you know, land party equipment for events. 
but a home gaming streaming server? Who is asking for this? I really do want to know. Who are these people? The whole point of the box is to use GeForce Now or Valve's own home streaming system to simply say you can stream up to four games at a time on this box to various clients in the home. What are the specs? What makes this box so much more capable of doing such a thing than, say, a home gaming PC? Because you can do the same thing with a home gaming PC and a little bit of working with Parsec. I, I just don't know who this is for. I really, really don't. Because a pro user is going to want it in a rack. That's just all there is to it. If I was, say, planning this sort of thing to go to an event, I would want, I, I would want, you know, like what? Five of these in a 12U rack? Assuming they, were, they could be scrunched down to 2U each. Then my last two of you used for the uh, UPS to power all of them. Actually, no, I would need... I'd have to go four. I would need two... I would need two U for the switch and router in order to network them all. And then maybe a wireless access point access to the top for devices it's just like a home device i don't see any home that would want to do this actually i could see some people wanting to do this for fun at home but they sure as heck aren't going to get a plug and play solution from dell who is this for who why i just I want to know what Dell was smoking when they came up with this concept and who asked for this. We're going to take another break here and we come back Razor and more CES. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Razer has announced all new laptops. And by all new laptops, I mean the exact same uh, Razer Blade laptops we've come to see with basically no new updates to them, except for very minor ones and also running Ryzen processors as well as updated GPUs. And also touting the fact that yes, 
they are running MUX chips for maximum GPU performance. I mean, that's pretty much what we expect. Thin and light gaming laptops, MUX chips, so that we don't lose any performance in these sort of things. I expect they'll actually do fairly well. I've always been a little skeptical of the cooling on these devices, but these mobile parts have been getting more and more efficient. So I actually do have high hopes for these. I just don't know if I would pay the uh, close to two grand. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Starting at two grand that these laptops start at. Whoa. Um. I have $12 in my wallet. How much gaming laptop can that get me? Meanwhile, we have yet another crazy, kooky, really cool looking uh, Razer project that for some reason got no awards. I don't know why this time around, but they almost always did. Uh, that will inevitably not make a, a real product. This is Project Sophia, a modular gaming desk that has a laptop compute module built into it that, by the way, you can actually see the compute module, which I think is a nice little touch. And then all sorts of other things built into it that are modular like you can go ahead and have some additional screens of different sizes some hot bars wireless charging pads and a lot lot more and of course the thing has a giant screen also built into it and of course it all pairs very nicely with the 30 dollars gaming chair that you're paying roughly 600 dollars for I'm sorry, I have no faith in these gaming chairs. I really, really don't. I've tried one. They are awful. Hey, you know what? The thing that actually still ticks me off to this day, when I picked up my chair, I specifically went to an Office Max. Office Depot, I'm sorry. Office Max, they're dead. I went to an Office Max, which is still the same thing as an Office Depot. Prove me wrong. They are the same store. Always have been and actually went ahead and test sat for about an hour, various chairs. One person was also there with me, and this was like in the middle of the pandemic, so everyone was still kind of skittish to go to stores. And of course, everyone's in like, I mean, it's the dead of winter for starters. So everyone was already bundled up, but like we're all required to wear masks and all that jazz. And they had a gaming chair there. The only thing that was a less comfortable sit than the gaming chair, the $300 gaming chair, was the $20 steel folding chair. It was awful. And the other person there was just like, oh man, that gaming chair looks really nice. And I was like, dude, I stream. I do a lot of streaming. I know how these gaming chairs work. They are trying to market to people like me 
because they because we like to think that it makes us look cool on the camera and it doesn't nobody cares about the looks of these and actually in my case it matters even less because i'm such a tall big guy you're not going to see the chair behind me and you don't the chair behind me all you see are like two little black corners of it if it was a racing chair if it was actually one of the the racing chairs First off, my head would be over it. Where my head is supposed to rest, I sit higher than that. So it doesn't fit me for starters. And you'd see none of the chair. At all. But even though I was only in there for... Like 10 minutes. And I could feel my, my rear start to stiffen on it. It was awful. And almost all of these gaming chairs are exactly the same. They are built to look good, but their function and their comfort is terrible. Completely and utterly terrible. But anyway, that's not what Razer is showing off. Razer is showing off the desk. And in all fairness, though, I am judging this chair based on my experience with these gaming chairs. Maybe Razer's cracked the code. Maybe they found a chair that both is comfortable to sit in, that doesn't make me hate myself after a mere... 10 minutes of gaming as well as also looks slick maybe they maybe they cracked the code big maybe though but in any case the desk actually looks interesting and it's really a shame that guess what we are never ever going to see this again this is going to go the way of the toaster of the Switchblade, which was a gaming which was a gaming netbook that had all modular keys. Yeah, remember that thing? That never happened. Just like we're never going to see the modular gaming tower, the liquid cooling tower where you just plugged in modules and liquid cooling would automatically flow each module. Yeah, remember that thing? Cool story. Remember the gaming tablet? The thing that basically looks like the Nintendo Switch before the Nintendo Switch came out? Yeah, I remember. That never happened either. Remember the Razer toaster that was an April Fool's joke and then Razer said they're going to make it for real? Yeah, we're never going to see that either. And we're never going to see this desktop either. This desk, which actually could have been something cool. And like, I could honestly, I would not mind if just the desk came out. This monitor that's like attached to it, that's like the full length of the desk. I can do without that. Let us go ahead and just attach our own monitor arms. 
Because I would love this sort of thing in like a tri-monitor setup. I think that'd be really cool. It's never gonna happen. Let's, let's be honest, it's, it's never gonna happen. It's vaporware. Probably why I didn't get any awards, because we all know what it's gonna be. It's Razer vaporware. While we were at it, Razer also announced smartwatches. The Razer X Fossil Gen 6 smartwatch for gamers. You know what? I think I feel like I've said enough. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, seriously, just look that, that whole that whole word salad. I didn't even realize how bad it was until I said it out loud. I'm gonna say it one more time. Razer and Fossil introduced the Razer X Fossil Gen 6 smartwatch for gamers. You know what? I made fun of The Verge for choosing a Garmin smartwatch that was barely even a smartwatch. Um, I want to retroactively apologize to The Verge. Uh, you clearly made the right choice if these were your two options. Anyway, uh, XMG has made a laptop that works with an external liquid cooler because that's what I like in my laptops I want to carry around a device that looks like a small desktop with my portable laptop All right, so um, I would forgive this laptop if it made sense. Here's my problem with this laptop. First off, it can function without the cooler, which then admi admits that the cooler is pointless. The cooler at least is very serviceable. They have made it so that it's very easy to fill up the reservoir that's built into it and it just works by quick connect. So it's functional, all right? But the thing is, is that if you're gonna go ahead and give me a liquid cool cooling system for a laptop, it better have hardware that requires liquid cooling. But considering the fact that the hardware ranges from a, well, it looks like it only includes a Intel Core i7-12700H, which is, I'd say mid-range for a high-end gaming laptop, and anywhere from an RTX 3060 to an 3080 Ti mobile variants, 64 gigabytes of RAM, and two M.2 drives. Um, why? You can cool all that with air right now. But it's a, okay, it's a thing. 
Meanwhile, back on the razor front, because I ordered these stories wrong. You know the the razor Zephyr, which would have been added to the pile of vaporware, except the Zephyr actually did launch. This is the translucent uh mask that Razor announced. Uh that um has RGB and doesn't use UV light to clean its own filter and make it sustainable. It does use disposable filters, which is probably more realistic. But one of the features it had before as the prototype version that I thought would become vaporware is a voice amplifier. Well, the real version omitted it. But not anymore. The Razer Zephyr Pro will have the voice amplifier. For 50% more. All right. All right, all right. I will forgive this. I will forgive this device and its existence if and only if the voice amplifier for $50 also contains a voice modulator. Because let me tell you, if this if this RGB mask that has a voice amplifier can't also make your voice sound like this at the push of a button. What is the entire point? Or even kind of like this. I mean, come on. Talk about a missed opportunity. Why not have yourself sound like Darth Vader? Why not? It's the easiest win-win if you're going to go ahead and try to make something for gamers. If you're going to try and make something that is both health-consciousable and for gamers, you might as well just embrace the meme that you have become. Do it, Razor. Do it. I command you. It is your destiny. Tell me I'm wrong! <sighs> Meanwhile, in more CES world, we have the Novetto N1 Smart Smart <laughs> Novetto N1 Smart Audio Device that is quote like wearing invisible headphones. So apparently, if you're looking head on with this, if you're looking head on at this soundbar, the way it transfers audio will have both your left and right ear only hear the channels of the left and right. There would theoretically be no bleed over, or at least that is what it's trying to say, trying to go ahead and give immersed 3D spatial audio 
but apparently also uh, being quiet enough that it doesn't disturb your neighbor at all. I'd say I want to see a demo of this, and I'd love to hear from other people who have had a demo of this, but let's be perfectly honest. Um, no one has seen it. N no one has gotten a demonstration of this at all. You think I'm kidding? No one has. There's no way. Meanwhile, more L more, oh, I mean, shouldn't say more LG stuff, more CES stuff. Because this is about as CES as it gets. Ladies and gentlemen, LG's CLOI guide bot. It is a bot intended for places of the past. The, back in ye olden times, there were these places called retail stores. All right. And believe it or not, once upon a time, people, everyday people like you and me, were actually allowed, believe it or not, to visit these stores, all right? And some of these stores were so big, they were called department stores, and they were even built into even bigger stores called malls. I know this all seems like a foreign concept, but trust me, these were things that actually happened long, long ago in the before time, all right? But these malls were so massive, you really needed to basically have like a friend who knew how to navigate the mall or pretty much your entire group would just get lost and just have a good old time just getting lost inside a mall. You'd basically be lost for like four hours if you had no idea where to go. Or, you know, you were teenage girls and just decided to just explore every single shop for the fun of it because you had your mom's credit card. It's just how things were back in the olden days. And unfortunately now, nobody believes me when I say these things actually happen, but uh, LG apparently remembers because they are making the CLOI guide bot specifically to go ahead and roam department store floors and provide additional information on specials going on. And most importantly, answer queries by wandering passerbys as to where to go. In, in, insert the they took her gerbs here line. But at the same time, let's be perfectly honest. Um, department stores are manned by three people nowadays. I mean, what's a department store? It's a cool concept. It could be very, very interesting. I wonder what the adoption rate would be and what the accuracy of these bots would be. Although the biggest problem of these bots The screen on is the touch screen. You have to use that to inter interact with the device in, a, in with the robot in addition to voice commands. But you know, very quirky, interesting CES stuff.
I mean, it's just, it really is this kind of thing that is very CES. Nanoleaf is opening up capabilities for new key products. They are making a new room lighting system called the Thread Border. And basically what it is, is that it's a bar that backlights around the source of light rather than lighting up the source of light itself. Nanoleaf, for those who don't know, are basically the, the industry leaders in decorating streaming rooms and nowhere else. But now this thread border rotor is also supposedly going to be a function of trying to help more of these devices connect to each other and communicate with each other so that you can have them all talk to each other. Honestly, I just want to see the price of these, this sort of stuff go down. I really, really do. It's, it's so expensive, man. It, it really, really is. When I was planning the, the setup for my own kind of streaming set, which is basically just a bunch of translucent uh, square shelves behind me that were like, I think I spent like, what, $120 on this? That's about right, actually. Roughly $120 on four sets of, uh, yeah, four sets of shelving units that combined into one. And I debated trying to get like a lighting column in the middle, but like, God, people want way too much money for that sort of thing. It was like 200 bucks for like some of the lighting systems. It's more than I paid for the shelves. These are just lights that would shine under it and up. Ugh. Yikes. Qualcomm has, is working with Microsoft for chips for AR glasses. Anyway, moving on. Qualcomm also announced Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 chips. These brand new chips are going to be in a bunch of new phones, including the Xiaomi 12 series, the Motorola Edge X30, the Realme GT2, the Oppo Find X4, the OnePlus 10 series, the IQ009 and the Samsung Galaxy S22 when it launches. So we'll have to wait and see what these phones all include. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did not pay attention to the Qualcomm press announcement because let's be honest, all these sort of details as far as ARM phones is either A, nonsensical techno jargon or B, misleading. Look, I'm not even kidding. Like so many of these want to try and say like, oh man, you have no idea. My uh, ARM processor has 10 cores. No, it doesn't. You know, that's not true. You have six perform. No, you have six efficiency cores, three performance cores and one high performance core. You're six plus three plus one. To try and say you're a 10 core processor is a lie because you are very seldom ever going to use all 10 cores and all 10 cores cannot even remotely close to give maximum performance at the same time. You shut off certain ones at certain points to maximize battery life. You're almost never using all 10 of them at the same time. Just stop. Stop it. 
even Intel's not taking part in this deception. Why are you? And then the rest of it is just machine learning algorithms and that sort of thing. Just all the sorts of buzzwords to say we are better because algorithms. And machine learning. We use machine learning to algorithms better. You think I'm kidding. But that is what a that that is what a lot of this talk of ARM processors sounds like. It is like reading the Square Enix letter where you know it is nothing but a metric ton of BS. But here you are, you're being forced to eat it anyway. And all you can do is just just facepalm. In other oddball news though, a drone, this isn't CS related, but a drone has helped save a cardiac arrest patient in Sweden. As the patient was suffering cardiac arrest out, out in a remote location, a drone was flown out with a defibrillator so that the neighbor could help resuscitate and save the 71 man year olds, or the seven, 71 year old man's Life. There we go. I can say the correct words in the correct order, can't you? That's actually insane. It's actually kind of crazy. We've been talking about like, oh, you could totally do this. You could totally do this. No one's actually done it. Well, now someone has. It's happened. Woo! Uh, I, 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 don't let my sarcasm fool you. I actually am impressed. All right, Chevy has shown off quite a few electric vehicles at CES 2022, including the electric Equinox, electric Blazer, and electric Silverado. A lot of people are talking about the electric Silverado because they're comparing it to the electric F F-150 Lightning that is supposed to be shipping out very, very soon, actually. And well, Chevy is trying to get all this press coverage saying, hey, we're gonna be there soon. You, you know what I actually absolutely love? Chevy is basically giving us no real details about the electric vehicles, other than the range, and saying what they probably will be priced at but they'll be coming sometime in sometime next year, not this year, but next year. So we're probably looking at, I'll be perfectly honest. We're not going to see these until 2024. They're saying 2023, 2024. I'll just tell you that right now. You want to know how I know? Because GM overestimates everything. There's a chip charge right now that is going to set them back already as it is and they don't make their own chips they can't determine that sort of thing so they're just guessing based on that what do you do like what do you do the other thing also i'm hearing a lot of the Chevy Silverado is going to be better than the Lightning because the Chevy Silverado is going to have a longer range. 
the EV Silverado is gonna be two is gonna be out two years after the lightning. Do you think there's gonna be no advances in two years? Do you not know how vehicles work? There's a new model released every year. And every year there's minor little updates. And some years there's major redesigns, like maybe every four or five years. I'm not I am not dumb enough to compare a 2024 Silverado to a 2022 F-150. I'm not that stupid. You can be that stupid. I'm not. They are going to be two basically different vehicles when all is set by the by the time by the time it's out. One's gonna be out soon. The other is two more years. And everyone wants to go like, oh, Chevy already has infrastructure down for electric vehicles. Like what, the bolt? Who's praising the bolt? People didn't even want to acknowledge the Bolt's existence and wanted to say that Tesla had the only electric vehicle. The Bolt. Give me a break. There's also one other elephant in the room. It's the fact that Chevy already has a history of exaggerating numbers. Like the EV Hummer that actually should be out by now, but is delayed. Thus kind of adding my point that it's not going to be out until, you know, 2024. They tried to say it had well over a thousand foot pounds of torque. No current electric vehicle has that has that much torque. Semi trucks don't have that much torque. the The highest end, hardest working Freightliner has eight hundred and sixty foot pounds of torque. And the electric Hummer is going to do more than that. Well, you don't understand. Electric vehicles are so superior because they foot down torque. They're so torquey, torque, torque. Tesla told me so. They do have a lot of torque. They have a lot more torque than they need for a vehicle that size. That is why they're able to get such insane zero to 60s. The fact they also deal with that torque so much better is also very impressive. They do not have that much torque. They just simply don't. And for Chevy to try and tell us that it has a thousand foot pounds of torque is dumb. I guarantee you when the actual Hummer EV comes out, it, uh, you're going to see that torque number go down. I guarantee it. So, I mean, when Chevy's already just kind of fudging numbers, 
I'm definitely going to take the approach of I'll believe it when I see it. Meanwhile, LG has the Omnipod, an electric microbus that will, that is basically about as CES as it gets. It is a mobile cabin concept with uh, modular in-vehicle appliances where it can have a fridge or entertainment or many, many other uh, comforts in the vehicle. Basically, anything, anything except for becoming a full-blown RV. Like, you're not going to get a bathroom in this. You're not going to get a full-blown bed in this. But, of course... It had to also have a quote user experience fit for the metaverse. I hate you, Facebook, by the way. I hate everything about this. I hate I hate the fact that the metaverse is gonna get thrown out throw thrown around until it becomes a literal meaningless nothing. But we can have a metaverse environment screen, which means nothing. But there'll be an AI guide in your self-driving Facebook pod cage thing. You know, the more I talk about this, the less I like it. I'm not sure how I, I, you know, okay. Self-driving vehicle that has no way to control it, but will go in and chauffeur you around, okay? Interesting concept. All right, you have my attention. It, it has amenities in it that can be added, such as a fridge. So you can go ahead and just grab a drink, sit back and relax as your microbus goes ahead and takes you from home to work. Okay, I like the idea. All right, it has a TV in it now. All right, cool. I can go ahead and catch up on the news on my way into work or to go ahead and just entertain the kids and and enjoy a nice wholesome movie with them after picking them up or or just like a TV show. We'll we'll, ju we'll just say like a cartoon or or something after picking them up from school, all right? I mean, heck, if you trust the vehicle enough, you can just have it pick up the kids and you don't even have to be there. I personally as someone who has no kids, probably would still want to be there to pick up the kids. Just I, that just feels like the right thing to do. It just does. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not, I'm also not a parent. So, I mean, what do I know? It, it just feels like we're going to go ahead and use a self-driving vehicle to go ahead and pick up the kids. You should be there. I, I just feel like you should. I gotta understand a pinch if you can't because work's keeping you back or something. That's one thing. But now it has an AI in it. Okay. It can help out. All right. It is now wired to Facebook's metaverse. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna see my kids, am I? And if I'm with them, I'm kidnapped as well by Facebook, aren't I? 
I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist at all, but the more you talk about it, the more you piece it down. It sounds like something straight from Terminator. And finally, we move on to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. We actually didn't have a last burb inside the actual podcast. We have it here in the bonus one. And of course, it is going to go to the BMW E-Ink car. You heard me. The BMW iX M60 is an electric vehicle that and uh, the electric vehicleness is not the impressive part it's the fact that this vehicle has e-ink on all of the body panels so it can switch from black to silver I kid you not. It it's a real actually. I say silver. It actually does look very very close to white, and it can like just actively change the change this on the fly. It it looks like something straight out of a sci fi movie. It looks super super cool, but holy cow! It is so so incredibly pointless who can even change certain parts of it so you can go ahead and have black stripes on it I just it's an incredible incredible concept but it's just that a concept Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. I, once again, I do appreciate you subscribing to the podcast to get this extra content. And I know today, especially, you're getting a lot. This, this, including the two hours of Eagle Eyes on Tech, this bonus episode is going to end up being, what, hour 40? Three hours, 40 minutes. I think that is a brand new record. And we would have included all as one podcast if it weren't for the fact that, uh, we're constricted to two hours on the other one. But you know what? Splitting up like this, I think it's a good thing. It gives me a bit more flexibility. I do encourage you to check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, at anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing. That is daily, every morning, 2 a.m. is when they first go out. And of course, you can go ahead and just get it whenever. And make sure you check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Falcon. Take care. And I hope you have a great day. And if somehow you're subscribed to this, but not watching the main podcast, go listen to the main podcast, man. Go do it. Well, the bulk, that's, where the, that's where the bulk of it is, after all. I mean, honestly, the BMW vehicle is cool and all. And for the right price, I would consider it. An electric vehicle. You could go ahead and just change it up however you want. But two things. First off, color e-ink version. 
change the color of your vehicle whenever the mood suits you. This would probably run into a whole lot of legal problems because vehicles are registered based on their color. But if they can pull it off, that'd be great. The other thing that needs to be fixed is that someone other than BMW needs to make it. I'm sorry, but BMW, uh, your cars suck. I hear more people complain about them having to be fixed. The only people who I know who own BMWs are mechanics themselves because everyone else doesn't know how to fix them and they're in the shop more often than they're in their garage. I'm sorry, BMW, you suck. And I wish someone else other than you made this concept. 